Huh? Yvonne, I should welcome them. We might. You can do it. I can do it? Okay. I give you oh. permission. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today. Is it a great day to praise the Lord? Amen. 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 It is always a great day to praise the Lord, and there is joy in this house. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and praise Him together. Hey, let's get into this song, man. There is joy in the house of the Lord.
lot of good adjectives right there, huh? Mercy and freedom and all kinds of things available through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you came with a heavy burden, I want you to know that he will carry that for you. He will be glad to lift that off your shoulders and to take it uh, with him and to bear that burden. So let's bow our heads and let's, let's, let's in our own mind's eye right now just say, Lord, I give you all my weights and all my fears and all my worries and all my struggles, God. I give you my insecurities. I give you my addictions. I give you my, uh, the, the darkness that, that sometimes finds itself there. I, I give you, uh, Lord, everything about me. Lord, I present, as we talked about yesterday, my body as a living sacrifice unto you, holy and acceptable unto God. That is our reasonable thing to do for the one who loved us, for the one who redeemed us, for the one who died on the cross and rose again. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you today. And as we sang early on in, in the first song, uh, the, the joy of the Lord is ours. Re rejoice in the Lord to be filled with joy again because we're in your house Lord, I pray your blessings upon every visitor, upon every member, upon every attendee. I pray, God, that you would do a great work in our hearts and lives today. And when we conclude this service in a little while and we remember the body that was slain on that cross, that was nailed to the cross, and the blood that was poured out for my sins, Lord, I pray that you would have your will and way in every heart and every life here. And if you do those things, Lord, we'll thank you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We've already sung about it. Now let's, let's do it. Rejoice means to be filled with joy again. The way you do that is just to realize what good things God has done for you. And one of the good things God has done for us here at First Baptist Church is he sent a bunch of people here, some friends that have uh, from out of state, some friends who are in the area haven't been, I haven't seen for a long, long time, uh, some brand new visitors that I've never met before. So if you're here for the very first time, I, I am going to share this with you. If you'll fill this out, give us your contact information, your name, and all of that, and turn it in, we will give you a Starbucks card, all right? Not to the new place in town. We don't, we don't have any gift cards to that one yet, but to Starbucks. So uh, if you will fill this out and turn it in to me or put it in that offering box to the left of the double doors, that's where our members put their tithes and offerings in. If you'll do that, then we will go ahead and, and make sure you get that gift card. Thank you so much for being here. If you have prayer requests, you can put that here. If you have questions about how you join the church or any, any questions you might have, what we believe or, or why we believe it, Put it down there. We will fill it out for you, uh, give you an answer. Military will have lunch. Active military will have lunch on the patio right after the service today. So you're all invited for that. If you weren't planning on staying, stay anyhow. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Ryan's got something cooked up for you. Uh, so be sure to do that. Um, Monday, we this week, we'll be getting our new awnings on. We got most of the roof work done this last week, uh, we replaced it, and we've got to clean up a little bit, pick up stuff, and then that'll all be done for the roof. We're excited about that. And then next, pre next Sunday, be preaching on what about divine healings? There's a lot of interest in that. There's a lot of interest in that in the, in the uh, city of Coronado right now because of some debates going on about a church, a particular church. Uh, but what about divine healings? We're going to talk to you. It's, it's the next thing in our chronological study of the life of Christ. So uh, we're going to hit it head on. So be praying for me. 
as I prepare for that message, that it would be, uh, thus saith the Lord, not thus saith Jim Bays, because whatever Jim Bays has to say is not worth anything if it's not what the Lord has to say. I'll just guarantee you that fact. Next Sunday also, <clears throat> trustee meeting, we'll, we're going to meet with the military, have a lunch with them, and then we'll meet in the classroom here and some things we need to go over next Sunday morning. One more time, we have three young ladies and one young man from the city or the region of the Basque uh, region of Spain that need a home, good home. They, they have a month's worth of activities planned for them. You don't have to babysit them, but they need a place to stay uh, and, and just someone to demonstrate Christianity to them. So if you're interested in uh, having a young man or one or two or three young ladies, uh, depending on your ability to do so, uh, see us right after the service and we'll hook you up with Chris Grabosco and get that taken care of. All right, how many are enjoying worshiping the Lord this morning, huh? All right, good. If you're not, if you didn't raise your hand, somebody reach over and slap them, and let's all stand together. As we continue to worship the Lord, let's stand.
praise team. Thank you so much for that. Thank you in the congregation for joining in, worshiping the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to ask all the young ladies and young men before you go to class, come right down here to the front if you would. All of you young ladies, young men coming down here. Now, everybody else in the auditorium, if you have your Bible, how many have your Bible or your device or your, hopefully not just vice, but device, all right? All right, so Matthew chapter 4. Ryan, where are you? Where are you? Right, right over here. I, I want you to know we reorganized the whole life of Christ last week just for you. So uh, they had a military camp out deal. So I, I wanted the military in particular to hear the message that we have today because uh, God's call often involves calling people about their age, some of them, some of the young military guys and gals. So I wanted to be here. So we, we interrupted it, but we just switched around one week, so it shouldn't be that much of a problem. Boys and girls, how many of you know that uh, I grew up in another part of the country that's a normal part, not California? How many of you know that? 
Okay, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, I did, and I grew up there, and, and the area where I grew up, it would stay light in the summertime until after 9 o'clock at night. So we would go out and play, and we had a rule. Back in that little town I grew up in, it was so safe in those days that we could hop on our bike on, in the morning when we got up, and we would ride all over that town and all over the countryside, which is about the same thing as the town, and we would do that. Uh, all day long, and there's was, there was only two rules that my mom had. One rule is I had to have a dime in my pocket in case there was an emergency. Some of you know relevance, a dime has to do with having an emergency. <laughs> the guy that sings that song, here's a quarter, call somebody who calls, that great gospel song, here's a quarter, call somebody who calls. Yeah, yeah his sons asked him, Dad, why do you need a quarter to make a phone call? Well, back in those days, a dime was all you needed to make a phone call. We didn't have cell phones. So the first rule was I always had to have a dime in case I needed to make a phone call and call my mom because I was in trouble. Second rule was whenever it got close to supper time, I had to be close enough that when she called me for supper, I could hear her. Because if I wasn't close enough to hear her when she called, I maybe wouldn't get supper, but I would get something else that was not as, near as much fun. It was a lot better calorie-wise, but it was not as much fun. So you had to be close by. Now, look, here's the reason why some people don't hear God calling them, because they're too far away from him. And so if I'm too far away from my mom when she called, I wouldn't hear her. We're too far away from God, then we won't hear him. But listen, boys and girls, as we studied, I think, last week, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So even though you're young... Draw near to God, and he will draw near. How do you draw near to God? You pray to him, you read the Bible, and you love him. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray, okay, before we go to class. Let's, every head bowed. Father, we thank you so much for loving us with an incredible love. Lord, I'm so thankful for these girls and these boys and pray that you, in fact, would call some of them into ministry. And I pray for all the adults that are here. Lord, it's not always young adults that are called to ministry. Sometimes it's middle-aged, sometimes it's older, but Lord, when you call us, you equip us. And so we pray that you would be in the message today and that you would show us what we need to know and that we'd be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the kids said, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. And in Matthew chapter 4, for everybody else in the auditorium, uh, on the Sea of Galilee in spring of 31 A.D., uh, for those who are visiting today, we're doing a chronological study of the life of Christ. So we started, of course, with uh, before the birth of Christ with his parents in Nazareth and then went through the travelings back and forth. Over 1,200 miles were traveled in the first couple of years of Jesus' life. Uh, go back and check that out. Our sermons are archived on Facebook and on YouTube. But now this brings us to the Sea of Galilee, spring of 31 AD, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. And I read from the NLT right now. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, which means hearing, and also Peter, or in the Greek, Petros, which meant a small stone. So he saw Simon called Peter and Andrew, who was also a follower, by the way, of John the Baptist, and he first met John, uh, Jesus in John chapter 1. So we've already talked about that. Um, but he saw them throwing a net in the water, for they fished for a living. 
And Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. King James Version says straightway. Straightway is an English uh, figure of speech that means right away, immediately, no delay. And they followed him. They were attendant to him. They, were, they abode with him. And a little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers besides this first set. There was James, which is the New Testament equivalent of Jacob, and John, which means Jehovah given, or Jehovah's been gracious. And he saw them sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. They were fishermen. The nets would get hung up on, uh, on debris in the lake, or maybe big fish would get a hold of them, or maybe just because of age they would tear, and they'd have to be repaired from time to time. And he called them to come too. And this call is kaleo. The Greek word is kaleo. It means to call someone in order that they may uh, come or go somewhere in particular uh, with a voice of, like a shepherd using for his flock. So as a shepherd would command his sheep, would call out their name. Uh, so Jesus was calling out his sheep as their shepherd. And, and he was calling them uh, for a specific reason. He called them to follow him as his disciples. In verse 22, they immediately, same Greek word, straightway, uh, they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, that's remarkable. We're going to talk about that more in, in just a moment. But one for a little bit more detail uh, than in the, in the synoptic gospel that correlates to the gospel of Matthew, that would be Luke chapter 5, it says in verse one. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. Same story, but we get a little bit more detail, okay? For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets, exactly what Matthew was saying. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Uh-oh, we have a problem. We have a problem, Houston. Something's wrong here. Master, Simon replied, I just want to tell you, we worked really hard all last night. Didn't catch a thing. Fish aren't biting. They're not hungry. Don't know what's going on, but there's no point in doing that. But if you say so... <laughs> Those words saved his bacon right there. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So we read, first of all, Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 4, the calling of his disciples, but doesn't provide us much background. So then Luke's account gave us a little bit more background. Mark gives us an abbreviated account very similar to Matthew. So that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the synoptic gospels talking about this particular occurrence. Okay, John doesn't mention this particular occurrence. Oh, no, preacher. He didn't mention it. So something, is it really inspired? Did he forget something? Did something get lost? No. 
God didn't inspire John to write about this particular event for some specific reasons that he has. But three out of the four brothers had already become followers of Jesus, according to John's gospel, that where he talked about the callings before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did. And James evidently came a short time later. Now, now I want you to notice, these are average people. These are fishermen. They're, they're not Rhodes Scholars necessarily. We don't know that, but they're not, there's no comment about them being specifically noble or, or rich or famous or intelligent or good looking. They're just normal people going about their business of living life, busy at a job. But in today's text, they give up their careers, lucrative or not, I don't know. They give up their careers, evidently enough to sustain life for their families. They walked away from their careers as fishermen to enter the full-time ministry. Paul says in another place, he doesn't choose the rich and the famous, basically, he's saying, but the base things, the, the things that are despised. Uh, so so he, he doesn't necessarily go after talent in the same way that the world goes after talent. There weren't headhunters out there discovering the disciples and saying, this guy's incredible. He's got an IQ of 132. He'll be brilliant. He'll be, there's none of that going on. But they were following Jesus' example of fulfilling his public ministry. He was preaching, according to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. That's what they determined to start doing. So first point here, using boats to fish for men. So in Luke 5, 2, he notices two empty boats at the water's edge. He stepped into one of them. He said, push out so I can teach the crowds. So as the, as the crowd pressed around Jesus at the uh, southwestern part of the Sea of Galilee, as they pressed in around him, there was no rooms to be able to really effectively teach the people. Uh, it, it reminded me of the plane, Pat, we rode about three or four weeks ago. Uh, and, and if you remember when, when we arrived... We, now, it's American Airlines. Uh, I, I, need, I need to talk to you, Fitz, about this. Uh, uh, th- there ought to be some kind of special consideration for old, frail, uh, broken-down preachers to be able to have some little bit better accommodation. But, I mean, I, I swear I was about six inches from the guy's bald head in front of me. And I'm, if, he, if he had leaned back, he would have knocked my teeth out, what teeth I've got left. And, and we were, they were pressed in everywhere. When, when, the, when the bell went ding, you know, when we landed, I, I jumped up and about hit my head on the th- thing above me there but, uh, and tried to get in the aisle. And over, people were pressing all over. And that's, it was a real uncomfortable feeling. So I paid an extra. I, I got to pay extra money to get like six inches more. I need to talk to you, Fitz, right after the message. So... But anyhow, uh, they, were, they were pressed all around him. So Jesus was at uh, Gennesaret on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. So we got a map, I think, coming up here, uh, maybe in the next slide. So, and we don't have a, why can't I ever work this thing? There we go. Okay, so, so here's the Sea of Galilee, and Capernaum's right up here. And so now in the, the Gennesaret area, you're right in here. It's, it's between two wadis, which are dry riverbeds that they're only full of water certain seasons, but it's, it's in the valley right in here. It's not marked on this map, uh, but it's right here. So this is the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias, because that was a capital city that, uh, that the, the Romans built, uh, and it's also called the Lake of Gennesaret. Three different names for one body uh, of water. Uh, so it's about 660 feet uh, below sea level at this particular place. Herod built the 
the, the capital city there. Uh, it's the location of many of Jesus' miracles to come. So, so Jesus saw a solution to the crowd pressing in around him and not having enough room to be able to effectively preach. So he saw this little fishing boat. It was not unmanned. So he got, said, Peter, let's go out a little ways in, into the uh, water. And he did that. And this became his pulpit. As he sat in the boat, he taught the crowd. Pat and I got to see the area or at least an area very similar to what it would have been uh, where he did this. It's kind of a natural amphitheater. The land kind of rolls gently up. The crowds would have been on the seashore. He would have been down on the water. The sound probably bouncing off the water would have been a good, acoustic, acoustically probably a good place uh, to be. And so after a time of teaching, Jesus makes this very unusual request to Simon. And this is point two, teaching a fisherman how to fish. Uh, sometimes fishermen can be kind of touchy about this, I, I would imagine, somebody telling them how to fish. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out where it's deeper, let down your nets, catch some fish. Uh, Jesus said, set your boat afloat and catch a draft of fishes. Now, in the south, we'd say catch a mess of fish. You're going to catch a mess of fish. So he, this whole mess was, if that sounds, if this whole dialogue right now sounds familiar to it, it's because Terry Miller preached on uh, by hook or by crook, way to steal my thunder, Brother Terry, I appreciate that. Uh, but you know what? Even if you did hear it when Terry preached it, and I hope you did, it bears repeating. So Simon's here, didn't refuse Jesus, but he attempted to explain that they had fished all night and not caught anything. Any further effort was useless and wasted in his opinion, I-N-O. You ever use that on Facebook, I-N-O? I use it a lot. Some people put I-N-H-O. I don't do the H part. I just I-N-O because in my opinion, that's the way it is. Do you ever feel like you've exhausted every opportunity to win your family and friends to Christ and there's no more hope? Do you ever feel like you've tried to do something that God expects and wants you to do and teaches you to do in the Word of God, and you just feel like there's no hope whatsoever? You ever start out the year tithing, and you say, I'm, I'm going to put God first in my tithing, and about the second or third week, you kind of, uh, you just can't seem to handle that and be able to do that? Do you, ever, uh, do you ever invite people, and you invited them so many times to God's house, and they never come, and you just want to give up? You ever, you ever feel like you want to teach or work, be a worker, and, and, and yet you, you, you just can't bring yourself to, to, to really do it? You've tried and, and feel like you failed. If you have some... It's as if you have some insight that God doesn't have. Like I know something God doesn't know. There's not going to be any fish out there. This was a learning experience for Simon, who would later be renamed Peter. If God says so, should always be our motto. Another way of saying that, what, Dan? If it's God's will, right? So Dan's, you know, he said, see you tomorrow morning, God willing. And I said, yeah, see you tomorrow morning, God willing. Because if God's not willing, I ain't being here. I'll be somewhere else. I don't know where, but if it's God's will. So, so Peter says, nevertheless, at your word, I will lower the nets. He, Simon, this is kind of funny. He's humoring Jesus. Okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it, Lord. Jesus doesn't know how to fish is what he's thinking. Jesus was a carpenter's son. I'm sure he can go out in a forest and cut down a tree. I'm sure he can get the bark off the tree. Okay, I'm sure he can cut it into planks. I'm sure he can form it and fashion it and, and, and make 
furniture and make a door and, uh, and maybe build even a boat like this one. I, I'm sure he has that, but he doesn't know anything about fishing. And you know what's going to happen? Peter's thinking. I'm thinking Peter's thinking. You know what's going to happen? I, we're going to have to wash the nets all over again, and we may have to do the repairs all over again. Because we just did all that, and he's saying, go out there and throw them out again, but, but I'm not going to say no to Jesus. That's wise. Don't ever say no to him. Third point is fish, teaching fishermen how to really fish. In verse 6 of Luke 5, this time their nets were so full they began to tear. A shout for help, and the word there, I'm told, for shout for help meant not only did they literally cry out for their friends to help them, they motioned them to come over here right now. Come on, right now, quickly, help us out. And not only did, did the one boat begin to sink, but both boats were full of fish and on the verge of sinking. And I love this. Terry posted this also. Did you post it when you preached it? Oh, good. Okay. A little thunder still, right? A little thunder. Okay. But all these fish were summoned by Almighty God. The, the nets were so full of fish, the nets began to break, and, and the two boats were threatened with sinking. How many fish does it take to sink a boat? I don't know. Sinking maybe two of them here. And what Simon and the others were not able to do by themselves, they were exceedingly more than able to do with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ and at the word of Jesus Christ. And I want you to remember that. God calls you to do something. He will equip you to do it. If God wants you to be in ministry, he will make it possible. I'm an example of that. I hated giving book reports. Scared me to death. Partially because I never read the books and it was really hard <laughs> to give a report on something you hadn't read. I would get up, my, my mouth would be dry, my hands would be sweaty. What's with that? My knees would be weak and I would tremble a little bit and shake and try to stumble over words. And, and here I'm preaching. My wife lovingly says I'm a professional lip. That's what I do. <laughs> lovingly. I think lovingly. <laughs> lovingly. Well, it's a toss-up some days. So, so, so here, here, look, what, what people can't do on their own, God can do through us when we partner with him. Who created the fish? Yeah, the same one who commanded the fish, hey, get in the net. Yeah, yes, you, get in the, you too. Hey, oh, you guys, get in the net. And they got in the net. The same one who created a fish to swallow Jonah. Well, preacher, I just can't believe those Bible tales. Well, what tale? The fish tale? You talking about a fish tale? Uh, I can't believe that, that a guy could be swallowed by a fish. Well, then they, they catch some big shark or whatever it is. They open it up, and there's some guy in there. And it, Well, yeah, but that's different. Well, look, you know what? God can create a special fish as far as I'm concerned. My God has the power to do whatever he wants to do and to do what he says he's going to do. And, and I believe that God made a special created fish to swallow up Jonah so we have we have these fish that are commanded now by the creator of the heavens and the earth to get in those nets. And so what happens now, Simon falls under conviction for his lack of faith. When Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me, for I'm such a sinful man. He was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. Now, my question to you is, did Peter really want Jesus to depart from them? Did he really want 
Jesus to leave them? I don't think so, because in another place, when Jesus turns to the 12 and says, are you also going to leave me? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So what he was really saying is more like this. Woe is me, Lord. How shall I abide in the blaze of your glory? A sinner such as I am is not fit to be in your company. That's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. And by the way, John 12, when he says, where else are we to go? That's after this point. So maybe he learned a lesson here that contributed to that saying. But Simon was not alone in this venture. His brothers, his partners were there. Uh, his brother, Andrew, and then James, John, brothers who were also fishermen. All four of them were amazed at what happened. And Matthew and Mark mentioned the fact that Jesus called them, kaleo, have a purpose for you, have a place for you to be. And Luke joins the other two in mentioning that they followed him. I'm going to talk more about the calling in just a moment. But point number four, I think it's the last point. Maybe not. I'll keep you guessing. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. By hook or by crook, Terry, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They forsook everything, including their professions. I got to remind you. Skip forward to the end of the Gospels, and you'll find them back in their fishing boats because Jesus had been crucified and died, and they thought it was all for naught. They should have known better because it's not all for naught when Jesus is involved. But Jesus informed the four fishermen not to be frightened or fearful. They would become fishers of men, and this venture uh, this, this happenstance here was so impressive uh, that when the men got to the shore, they turned their fishing rods and reels in, turned their nets in, gave their fishing licenses to their dad, and said, we're out of here. God has called us. we got something else we're going to do. I, by the way, I saw a T-shirt today, Terry. Jesus made me a fisherman. I catch, he cleans. I like that. I catch, he cleans. Oh, there is one more point. Number five. Well, maybe more. I'm not. Okay. Why fish for men and women? By the way, it's not just men. We're not talking about only males, okay? We're talking about males and females. We're talking about human beings. And so why fish for men? Why should we do that? Why should we leave a profession? Well, because we're called. If you have a kaleo of God in your life, a calling of God in your life, there is no better thing that you can do on the face of this earth. Abraham was called in Genesis chapter 12. Jeremiah was called in Jeremiah 1, Isaiah in Isaiah 6, Amos in Amos chapter 7, John the Baptist in John chapter 1. You want to blow your mind? He was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was in his mother's womb. How do you explain that, preacher? I don't. I just read it and quote it to you. God will explain it to you. I can't. I, I like to talk about my call to the ministry. In Matthew chapter 9, I was reading one night. I was home on a Friday night, which is very unusual in my college years. Uh, very, very seldom was I home on a Friday night. But I was sick. And I didn't feel, and I'd, I'd been to the doctor because I had, I had a lot of trouble with my tonsils. In fact, I had them out about a year after this. But I was sitting in my room reading scriptures. I came to Matthew's uh, gospel, chapter 9. I read how that the harvest was plenteous. Pray you, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, he would send forth laborers into the field. And God got a hold of my heart. And I did something I don't recommend, but I, I, I put God to a test. I don't recommend it at all. Don't put God to a test. But I did. In my ignorance, in my 
carnality, I guess, I don't know what. I said, Lord, if you'll do this, and I gave, I gave a specific thing that I'm not going to tell you what it is. I said, if you'll do that right now, I'll surrender my life to you. And he did it right then. He did it right then. It's not some emotional thing I could have whipped up. It was not some, it, it, it was a something that God did right then and there. I don't tell you what it is because God doesn't use the same thing on everybody. I don't want you to think. I, I, I didn't have a Damascus Road experience. I wasn't riding my donkey down to Damascus and all of a sudden a bright light shined and I fell off the donkey and, and, and you know, I, I mean, that, that didn't happen to me. I had a professor, college professor said, that, that's a special case. God doesn't need a, what, what? Doesn't need a what? A bazooka to knock a jaybird out of a tree when a BB will do just fine. And so he used the BB on me. And I'm so thankful that he did. I, and God called me to Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. I was planning on going to a different school. Had I gone to a different school, Pat would have missed out on me. <laughs> which would have been no loss. But I would have missed out on her, which would have been a huge loss. So God directed me to BBC. God put me in a room with two seniors who didn't even recognize that I existed. They didn't, didn't, I walk into the room and I'm sitting there and I'd say, hi guys. And it would be like, so I, I, I decided I wasn't real happy about things. And, and I was walking across the campus and, and one of the guys who was her brother's roommate said, come bunk with us, come get in our room. I said, okay. And I moved everything over, met her brother, saw her picture upside down behind his goldfish bowl. I'm just, that's the way it was, babe. <laughs> you know what? God told me this is the lady I'm going to marry. I wrote in my Bible, my other Bible that I had was in college. I've got it at home. Psalm 37, 3 through 5, delight yourself, Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. I wrote Pat. That's the desire of my heart. God gave me that. She was really slow in getting the message from God. She... <laughs> She ran from the calling of God. I'm telling you, don't do that. It's the wrong thing to do. We began, we got married that last year of, of Bible college, and, and then we began praying about where God would have us go when we got out of Bible college, and God showed I said, God, I, I want to go somewhere, I, maybe, you know, Colorado, North Dakota, where I want to go somewhere. I'd been brought up in Illinois, just Illinois, flat state, Illinois, you can see Chicago from St. Louis. It's just ridiculous. I'd been in the Ozarks in Bible College, and I said, just take me somewhere. Guess what he took me? Illinois. Taylorville, Illinois, right between Springfield and Decatur. But I knew it was where God wanted us. He blessed us in incredible ways there. Then we went to Colorado, Pueblo, Colorado, blessed us in incredible ways there. Then I prayed about coming to California. My wife, I think, was praying about not coming to California. But I, God called me. I know that he called me. I have absolutely no regrets ever. The only regret I would have is, is if times when I didn't do what God told me to do. So does God still call people like that? I hope so. Will you hear him if he does? Are you, are you close enough to him that if he calls you, if it's supper time and God calls you, are you going to hear his voice? And will you obey him? We, we, we fish for men and women because we're called. Secondly, I fish for men and women because we, I care. 
I care for the poor. I was poor. I didn't know it. I knew that the house we lived in was like 100 years old literally back then. I mean, it was over 100 years. Part of the, it was the end of the, the underground railway in the community where I lived, and, and there was these beautiful homes, and then there was mine. And it was like it had been an old storefront, I mean, with a squared-off store, like you see a saloon or something, but it wasn't a saloon, I don't think. Big old picture windows in the front, little square glasses, but big windows. and Right on Route 1, Dixie Highway. Our floors were so roly-poly, you'd put a ball down, and part of the fun would just be see where it's going to roll next. It just, all by itself, it just rolled in every which direction. Foundations were lousy. Building was lousy. I went to school with doctors and lawyers and kids of doctors and lawyers. And they had these guy, one guy had an indoor pool. I mean, I was poor. I just didn't realize it. But I know the people, I know the military doesn't pay a whole lot. Especially early on, I know that. Pat can tell you stories about being in the Army and not having enough really to have the things that we take for granted. They'd buy powdered milk to make, make things stretch. They'd, they'd have sometimes sandwiches without lunch meat in them. Because I care for the homeless. I know there's a lot of them ripping people off. I know that, but some of them aren't. Some of them, some of them are homeless because of bad choices in life. I understand that, but don't you grieve? Don't you ever grieve? I see a young homeless young man, and I think of my son. What if that were my son? That's somebody's son, somebody's daughter, somebody's mom, somebody's dad. I care for the addicted and their families. At our other church, we, we would have, right down in front, is a different set. Rob, you know, we would, have, we would have 50, 60 or more either homeless or formerly homeless people. And some of them would come in under the influence of drugs or alcohol, but they would come in there and some of them would get saved. I think about the homeless and how they make, I, when it rains, I, 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 don't know, I don't know how I would survive out on the streets. I don't know how. I'd have to learn something in a hurry, something I don't know now. I care for the ho hopeless, for those that don't have a hope, for those who've given up hope, for those who don't think things are ever going to work out right again. I, I think about those, and I, and I feel for them. I, I feel for the single mom. If ever a young lady needs a church to come alongside of her and love on her and, and accept her and, and encourage her, it's, it's when she finds herself being a single mom. And yet some churches shun young ladies who are not married who have a baby. I care for those on the bridge. I, I, several times now, riding with the police department, we've been called to the bridge. People standing on the wall, threatening to jump. I care for runaway kids. Down, I, down here, third, third and orange, that hotel, that motel right there. 
we got a call with the police department, went over there, and there's these two kids. They look like they were, I think I already told you about this, looked like they were like sixth and seventh grade, something like that. That's about where they were, trying to check into a hotel. They'd run away from home, run away from National City. Great plan. Run away from National City, go to Coronado, get a 200 and some dollar a night room. Great plan. Kids were, you know what, folks? Kids are messed up today. Kids have so many pressures that most of us don't know anything about on a firsthand basis because the world has absolutely lost its mind. Young people today, some of them don't know which end is up. They don't know what's right and wrong. They're being told the good is bad and bad is good by people they ought to be able to trust and respect. And all these people we get to serve because we care. Jesus came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We, 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 we have a call. We have, we have a care. And we have a cause. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17 and following, David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Goliath came down. Goliath was blaspheming the, the God of Israel. And David said, why does someone go down there and fight him? Is there not a cause? And by the way, Saul was the head and shoulders above all the people. Saul probably should have been the one to go down to the valley. Not the little teenage David, little runt that he was, who put on Saul's armor and walked around in it without the armor moving. He said, I can't, I can't take this into battle. I've not proven it. But there was a cause. He said, isn't there a cause? By the way, we talk about David and Goliath and what a great story it is. But do you know David didn't go looking for a giant to kill? Did you know that? He was taking sandwiches to his brothers. Check it out. He was bringing some loaves of bread and some cheese and going to feed his brothers who were in the battle, but they weren't doing any battling right then. They were cowering along with the rest of the nation of Israel, and, and, and the giant found him. And that's the way it is sometimes. You don't have to go looking for the devil. He'll find you. About the time everything's going pretty good, he'll enter the picture. Isn't there a cause? Do people still die every day? Is there still a hell? There absolutely is. Is there always going to be a hell? It's going to be emptied into the lake of fire, which is same type thing times a thousand or whatever. I mean, it's going to happen. Everyone will live somewhere forever. The key is location, location, location. Our response to his callings have eternal consequences. When I was in college studying pre-med curriculum, I wanted to be a doctor, and I, I thought maybe I could help you know, people. Phys I could help them for a little while, right? Maybe. But when you help someone spiritually, when you, when you lead someone to the Lord, show them that Jesus Christ loved them, died for them, was buried, rose again, and that they can put their faith in him and their trust in him, confidence in him. When you do that, you make an eternal difference, something a regular doctor can't do, unless he's born again, child of God, too. Last point is, we have a calling, we, have, we care, we have a cause, we have Christ. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. That reciprocal indwelling. And you know what that means? I am his hands. I am his feet. 
I am his lips to so many in this world. I am his voice. I take him wherever I go. Not merely the words you say, not merely the deeds confessed, but in the most unconscious way is Christ expressed. And from your eyes, he beckons us, and from your heart, his love is shed till I lose sight of you and see Christ the Lord instead. Greatest compliment anyone can pay to someone is, I see Christ in you. I see him working through you. God called four fishermen here. Later, he would call Matthew. Later on, he would call some others, and he would call Paul. But my question to you, military or non-military, civilians included, uh, young, middle-aged, old, has God called you to a specific purpose and plan of action? And then have you answered that call? We're going to break for communion right now, but I want you to bow your heads first. And I want to ask you, has God called you to something specific? You know, I know God has a purpose for you. I know that. He has a purpose for all of us. Are you, are you being called by him specifically? Some young man, young lady here, is God calling you after high school, after college, or after military to, to go into a Bible college somewhere to go prepare yourself for ministry? Is God calling you right now to leave your profession? Is God, does God have plans for you? I know he does. Do they involve surrender of some kind? If so, put your body on that altar as a living sacrifice and say, Lord, here I am. May your will be done in my life. Father, I love you. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for your calls in my life. I thank you for the calling of salvation, first and foremost. I thank you for the calling to ministry. I thank you for the calling to churches that you've privileged me to serve in. I thank you for the calling me to First Baptist Church in Coronado. I thank you for every man and woman, boy and girl, here this morning. Lord, they, they value being in your house. They value being with you, and I thank you for that. But, Lord, are you choosing them for a spe- specific purpose? And if so, God, may you give them, your Holy Spirit, give them the courage and the wisdom to do what you've called them to do. May we not make excuses anymore, but may we surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? If God's calling you to receive Christ as your Savior, ladies, my wife's down here. Guys, I'm down here. John, guys, is right in the middle back here. John Lauer. um, And Rachel's in the very back, ladies. So go to the back. Come to the front. If God's calling you to be saved, come and get saved. If God's calling you to surrender your life to ministry, Whatever that looks like, we'll be glad to talk you through and help you through and help you make those commitments. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, would you come right now?
our verse for you. Come on. Don't say no. Don't make excuses. Do what God wants you to do, what he's called you to do. again and to take the next few moments to examine your own hearts because as we partake of communion together and gentlemen if you'll come and help us out from the front if you have not received the communion elements and you would like them we have Gary in the back we have gentlemen down here just raise your hands and they'll get these to you as expeditiously as they possibly can the elements being the fruit of the vine and the unleavened bread Bible says that we're to examine ourselves. We're to do a self-exam spiritually, see where we are. I would caution anyone here, and this is serious, I would caution anyone here, if there's an offense that you have not asked forgiveness for, that you do that right now. You bow your head, you ask him, forgive it. Be specific, tell him what it is. If you've offended someone and there's someone you need to make it right with promise to God you'll do it and then at your next opportunity earliest opportunity make good on that promise the Bible says that there were many who were sick and some that had actually died because they partook of the Lord's supper the communion table the Eucharist in an unworthy fashion Father, as we look into our own hearts, if there's anything there that ought not be, may you show it to us, and may we make it right to you right now. Paul said, for this... I've received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. As he reached onto that Passover table, he picked up the bread that was unleavened. And ever since then, leaven or yeast has been a type of sin. It's not sinful in and of itself. It's a type of sin. And just as sin permeates society, just as sin contaminates us and every other person has ever lived. So the yeast goes throughout all of the dough. So they were ordered to make a bread without 
yeast as they left Egypt that fateful night. And Jesus took that unleavened bread and gave thanks. Father, thank you for the symbol of your precious blood that was the symbol of your body that was nailed to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Thank you in Jesus' name. And he said, take eat. The second thing that Jesus took from that Passover table was the fruit of the vine. After the same manner, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, bless the cup. Bless this juice that represents the precious sinless blood that flowed from your hands and your brow, and your feet, and your back, and your side, paying the price for my sins and the sins of the whole world. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, drink you all of it. In the Gospels, they sang a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives, Jesus knowing full well what was about to happen. Let's stand together, join hands as much as possible as a symbol of unity, and we'll sing a song, and we'll go out into the highways and hedges, not knowing necessarily what God has for us, but knowing of a surety that he has a plan for us. Thank you for being in his house today. Next week, we have baptism. If you're interested in being baptized, let me know. We will take care of it, Lord willing, next week.